Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and I'm excited to do this. Why? Because, well, I haven't done it in a while, and just been really uh, looking forward to it. So, I thought since it's the end of uh, 2020, I'd start out with my biggest lessons for 2020, because this this has been uh, a tumultuous year for many people, and I actually had this on here to finish up, but as I'm starting off with it, I think this is actually a good thing to start with. And I chose the word tumultuous, actually, I think very importantly, um, more because I I don't actually like that people have hated on 2020. And that's, hey, my opinion. I mean, you can hate it. uh, You can do whatever you want with it. I just feel that 2020 is just like any other year. I I think people are going to look back on it. People lost loved ones. People got sick. People lost jobs. People have gone through some really rough times. And I think all of this happens in every year, right? People have died every year. People have gotten sick every year. People have lost a job every single year. Maybe the amount is a little bit different. Uh, I, I don't know that it's that different. I think it's been played up that much more uh, in the media from the statistics that I've been able to see and people have shared with me. So I, it, regardless of all that, I think people are going to have their own take of 2020. Now, it doesn't mean you had to have enjoyed some of the things that happened, but I look back on some of the very hard years that I've had in my life. And again, what comes out of something that's difficult, right? Just about anybody I ever talked to is what are the best times of your life? The things that suck the most, right? I mean, things that you've just been able to get through, whether whether that has been something easy to get through, which it usually hasn't. No, I mean, it's something that you learn from, that you grow from, and that's what makes it really just so incredible. So I don't think anybody, not true. Most people aren't going to look back on 2020, whether it's a year from now, whether it's five years from now, and say, you know what, man, I still wish I had that year back. You might say that now. And I think in the short term, that's a very different outlook on things. But to come back and say in 2030, you know what? I wish we'd still just skip 2020. You know what? And I mean it from the standpoint of you're losing one single year of your life, right? It, it, don't don't look at it like that. I think the best thing is to see, hey, I, I mean, I'm looking at it very objectively. What, what were my lessons? What did I learn? What did I grow? How did I grow in 2020? In spite of any of the things that may have been happening around the globe with a, a, a pandemic of COVID-2019, right? Uh, I mean, COVID-19, excuse me. You don't you don't have to let it uh, end your enjoyment of that year. So I still think, hey, look back on it objectively now, but look back on it from yourself that's five or ten years wiser I think you're gonna notice a lot of things that it really isn't as bad as it was 
I think that unfortunately the media makes you think that it's a lot worse than it was, which is very unfortunate because it's still your life. You still get to live it in any way you want. And I think it's important to really appreciate that, that year that you were able to live it. So enjoy, enjoy what's left of it, even though there might not be much and enjoy 2021 as well. So other lessons, I'm going to get into some health lessons here, but I guess overall just life lessons that I learned. My biggest thing, and I'd heard this before, but again, until you really dive into it for yourself, you might not know. And it's eating close to bedtime. I cannot eat close to bedtime. I can eat and fall asleep and sleep, no problem, close to bedtime. But it wasn't until I really, really got objective about tracking what my sleep looked like that I realized, yeah, you know what? I don't sleep that well if it, if I eat too close to bedtime. So it, it really is a good thing. Like I, I'll eat, uh, I have some lighter nights in the clinic, right? So it doesn't mean that I don't necessarily eat when I get home. I'll just eat very differently, right? And I want to give this to people too because I think this can be an important lesson. So first off on that, what I say, like don't eat close to bedtime, I mean, I go to bed, it's generally around nine o'clock, let's call that as my average, right? Uh, so I, I say average because, again, when I'm recording this right now, our youngest Penny, she's still seven months old. Like, the boys, they sleep well. Like, that's that's not a problem. However, when you have a seven-month-old, you're still getting up in the middle of the night. Her bedtime, while it's a general time, still tends to change. As a perfect example, last night, it probably took me an extra 20 minutes to get her back down. Uh, excuse me, to get her to sleep. But then, also, when I was asleep, uh, I was not asleep for very long and again, she, she woke up, so I went to help her out and try and calm her down and was able to do so, but there was probably, within my first sleep cycle, another 15, 20-minute interruption. So again, I also recognize now how much more important it is to not sleep before, or eat, excuse me, eat close to bedtime. And what do I mean by that? Okay, so I give you the 9 o'clock context. I like to be done at the latest by 7 o'clock, uh, 6, 6.30 is a much better, like that approximately three hours before uh, really has worked out best for me. If it's any earlier than that, I tend to be starving. Uh, not that I necessarily get like a low blood sugar in the middle of the night. I just wake up and I'm absolutely ravenous. Some of that has to do with uh, training uh, as far as what I'm doing, the amount of volume that I'm doing, and even the intensity that I'm using. But then some of that is just, hey, if if I didn't eat uh, close enough to bedtime, I don't necessarily have the fuel, I think, for my body to be able to recover. So I do have to balance that. Uh, but the eating close to bedtime is is absolutely huge. And going off of that, I didn't even think about this, right? But I don't I don't like to eat a lot of meat uh, later in the day. I, I enjoy meat and I actually still thrive on meat, uh, provided like the quality, of course. However, I, I like eggs, I like yogurt, I like cheese. That's what I would much rather have closer to bedtime. And notice that my sleep uh, really does benefit from doing so. So, excuse me, grabbing a little water here too. Uh, I, I put in quotes when I wrote this, healthy, uh, and I put refined carbs, 
still suck, right? So I've tried, we, like, I enjoy all of what I'm about to tell you. Doesn't mean I don't think it's a good thing or a delicious thing. But uh, to try and just have some pizza once in a while, uh, we'll do like a tapioca crust and use some goat cheese, some... Um, not pizza sauce, but tomato paste, right? And doctor it up a little bit and try and do that to have some pizza because, hey, I mean, I love pizza, right? And I, everybody else in my family does as well. You know what? I can't do it. I can't do any of the the brown rice flours. I don't do great with brown rice to begin with, and it's hard to find actually just a white rice flour. I, um, what are the other ones? Uh, even like the, the chickpea flours, like if you find like pasta like that. I mean, I, I, I love them. I really want to eat them just because, again, it's a gluten-free option for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but again, this comes to show you like the, just because something's gluten-free doesn't mean it's great for you, right? No, I it throws up my digestive system, right? So uh, it just means my poop is off if, if I have some of that. It means that it's definitely going to throw my blood sugar off. So I just, I've realized, like, and, and I realize this right now as I record this, like, Christmas just happened. Uh, Christmas Eve, mom made up some beautiful gluten-free pierogies. We had, um, my wife made some gluten-free pasta, uh, not pasta, uh, lasagna. And I had some of each. And I slept terribly that night again. And it was just the final realization, like, and and I had some gluten free Christmas cookies, right? So it's it's a combination of purely the volume of it. So I've had some of each of those uh, interspersed, obviously, throughout the year, but in not near the same amount of volume that I had. And I had it, and I actually felt okay after eating it because of the other just things that I'll do to mitigate those problems, like just some of the digestive enzymes that I'll use, uh, so on and so forth, um, as well as just a like cinnamon, apple cider vinegar, just other things to help with blood sugar regulation. However, I still just slept terribly. I felt okay the next morning. I'm like, I don't want this. So you know what? Christmas Day, I didn't have any Christmas cookies. I didn't have, like, I mean, just any of that. What did I have? I mean, breakfast, I had a salad and... I don't remember what else. I mean, this is a bit back now. Uh, but, I mean, I had ham. I had potatoes. I had uh, asparagus then for Christmas dinner. And, like, that was all delicious. Like, I was completely fine with that. And I was actually happier because of it. Because it meant I got to play with all the new toys with the kids. Uh, I, I still just got to take a nap with Penny on Christmas Day, right? Hey, she falls asleep. No, I'm not going to go set her down. I want to spend that time with her. I let her just, I, we laid on the couch, let her lay on the chest, on my chest. I heard the boys playing up a storm with the rest of the family. And I'm just sitting there eh, in and out of it a little bit, but just smiling when I heard them. So it's, it's analyzing. Okay, well, yeah, I could have eaten more of that stuff and just felt more like garbage. But now it's just, I, I eat less and less and some of the things... Not at all, just because to me, it's really not worth it. I don't feel like having the day or multiple days of just not feeling quite right. And one of Paul Chuck's podcasts, I heard him talking, uh, I believe the guest was a stuntman, right? And 
Paul saying, yeah, like, I think on his birthday or something, he ate, like, three brown, I think it was brownies uh, that somebody had made for him, right? And gluten-free brownies, he's like, I felt it for three days. And it just felt completely off, completely terrible. He goes, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have eaten them again and I'll do it again next year or whatever it is. But recognizing, like, okay, when are you going to do that? And that's that's kind of what it was for me, too, is like, all right, not that I'm not going to have that. And like speaking of gluten-free brownie, like a good gluten-free brownie, I absolutely love. But it's trying to find the best ways to mitigate those things so that it doesn't have the negative impact and that you can just try and handle it as well as you can. But realizing that because something is quote-unquote still a healthy refined carbohydrate or whatever it else is, I just don't do that great with higher carbs. And if I do eat carbs, it's pretty much better be potatoes in some form and i'm gonna do great with that uh and fruit and fruit i do really well with fruit uh depending obviously on the type but hey it's recognizing that so be aware of that for yourself i I just want to point that out because that was a big deal for me now going off of this uh and these two things very closely like i've been using some health trackers over the last little bit longer than a year now and when i say health tracker so i tried whoop uh, a wearable uh, band and I'm coming to the end of my subscription I'm actually not going to renew that uh, because what I got I I did get the aura ring and I do prefer that uh, for the most part I'm going to do a separate thing on maybe like pluses and minuses uh, that I found of each Uh, so I'm not going to go into that what I'm going to go into just quick with this is my lesson on this was I learned that I was not paying attention enough to myself. I was, uh, I was still letting too many things go, and I think the tracker helped point that out for me. But now it's also nice because I do not need the tracker all of the time. Uh, and, and I think about this very objectively every morning when I get up: is how do I feel? How should I train today? I ask my body. I listen to my body. So I think it's a very good thing for people to use to be able to. Well, use it in that manner. Learn what each feeling means to you because you might not be able to tell. Because again, these are somewhat objective, but there still are going to be uh, faults to them. So to say that it's dead on perfect, no. And and I think you shouldn't just rely on a wearable to know because you need to be able to get in tune with your body. So you still can't replace that feeling and knowing uh, of yourself. However, it really is a great place to start and I think can give you some more insights. And to me, it actually helped point out the, the, the bedtime thing where it's like, yeah, I was sleeping okay, but I would still wake up groggy some days. Uh, but like when I don't eat that food too close to bedtime, I get some serious deep sleep. Uh, my REM sleep, I'm actually still figuring out. I, I figured some more things out, but again, the deep sleep, and this is probably something like I said, I'll get into more on a podcast specific to the wearables, but the 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 use of them, I, I would highly recommend, provided you're going to use them intelligently and not just as some other biohacking device, if you will. Now, next would probably be, uh, no, it has to be, stand up for something you believe in. I'm pausing there for effect. I'm going to say this again. Stand up for what you believe in. It's 
uh, Winston Churchill, I believe, uh, if you don't have any enemies in your life, you've never stood up for anything, right? I, I love that quote. And I think, I guess, more so right now. But think about that. If you don't have any enemies in your life, you've never stood up for anything. I might be off on the exact wording. and I don't really care. It's, it's close enough to get the point. And a very important point it is as well, where you got to stand up for yourself. You got to do your own research. You got to just, if you believe in something, stick with that. Now, it doesn't mean don't change your mind if something presents itself differently. It means don't live in fear. The, the, I, I mean, the media put out so much fear-mongering this year. And, well, certainly still continues continues to do so uh, around COVID-19. And I think it's, by default, like so much fear about just yourself and your family. And you shouldn't be with them. And all this absolute garbage. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back this up because I do want to objectively look at COVID-19. Now, is it something to be fearful of? Well, that depends, as most things do. Now, really, from what I can see, is the infection rate that much different? And is the uh, lethality rate that much different than any other, let's call it just average flu? Not, Not a chance. Like, it's pretty much dead on with the exact average of every year <laughs> with the number of cases, with the number of fatalities, uh, so on and so forth. So it, it, it's the, the, the testing is a whole nother thing. So, uh, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name that came up with the, the, the testing for this. And he's, I mean, he's come out and he's still saying like, this should not be used. This is not an accurate test. So that's a whole nother thing. As well as, uh, I, I looked into this this year because I was talking about it with actually quite a few patients, and I cannot find anybody who has had just the flu this year, right? Every single flu case has been labeled as COVID-19. Now, this this might change. I'm not saying it's not going to, right? That being said, every single thing that I can find out is, nope. You have COVID-19. There's no, there's no flu. So uh, the interesting point to that is I've heard uh, the, the same side of the coin used for multiple arguments. Well, uh, the, the, and I want to share this because I find this absolutely hysterical, right, is because we are doing mask wearing and social distancing, the flu is completely non-existent this year, period change the channel, right? And it says, because we're not stringent enough with mask wearing and social distancing, COVID-19 is running rampant, period, right? So I I, I hope people realize how hysterical that is, right? Because we're doing the same two things on one hand, it's completely eradicated the regular flu. And because we're not doing those stringent enough, it's allowing the other one to just go and COVID-19 is still here because it's going to stay here because you know what? People are going to get the flu and just like a 
cold, just like anything else. It sucks. Like, nobody wants to have the flu. Nobody wants to have a cold. Nobody wants to just be sick in general, right? I don't, I, I've never spoken with anybody who said, oh, yeah, I really enjoy that. No, it's just never going to happen. Come on. That's absolutely ridiculous. However, people are going to get sick. People are going to have the flu. And just on occasion, it's going to happen. And unfortunately, people are going to die from it. And I don't think what's really spoken about with this is, yes, if you are overweight, if you are obese, if you have diabetes, if you have cardiovascular disease, that, yeah, you should probably be afraid of the flu in general. I'm saying that with utmost seriousness. This could have been a year ago. This could have been 10 years ago. And it's something that you should be very, very serious about because it can be a big deal. Now, that being said, are, are people just blowing this one out of proportion? Yeah, I, I tend to think so. Now, again, I, the people that shouldn't be blowing it about out of proportion are the just the demographics that I just said. If you fall into all of those and you're 80 years old, is your chances of dying going up? Yeah, it is. And I would want to care for my loved ones in just the same manner, right? So I think that is a very important caveat to this. Now, uh, I'm going to get the tenths of a percent or hundredths of a percent or thousandths of a percent screwed up on this one, right? But I'm a 35-year-old and I'm not overweight. I don't have hypertension. I don't have diabetes. I don't have just any of these other compounding factors, right? Comorbidities as they're known. And I'm not really that worried about it. Now, again, do I want to ever get the flu or just even, like I said, catch a cold for that matter? No, like I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. If I get it, I'm not that worried about it. I'm not that worried about it for several reasons, right? Because I think I have the ability to uh, handle that when it's coming to me, uh, when it comes to me, but I've also taken the other uh, mitigation strategies. Like I've looked into, okay, well, if I get COVID-19, if I get the flu, if I get a cold, what am I going to do about it? right? So I've taken my health into my own hands. And it's that self-empowerment. That's the standing up for yourself. What is it that you can do for yourself? So this is something that I do believe in. Like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. I don't believe in that in any way. Especially, I I, I looked and and I listened, excuse me, more so uh, to vaccine experts and people that were actually in the development of this at certain companies. um, And they came out and they're saying like, no, I won't get this. It normally takes a minimum of 10 to 15 years of clinical trials and safety studies to come up with something like this, right? So no, I, I don't believe that it would be safe to do so. And either way, I think that it's something I should be able to fight off on my own. And if I can't do so, people are freaking out about it. It's like, you have to look at the other parts of your life. So why is it that you are fearful of this? Now, is it fearful because of just what you've heard on the media, which a lot of people are, and I think that's something that you need to look at. But then, are you fearful of it because of your health factors, right? And any of those modifiable health factors, it's the same thing. Like You have to objectively look at your life and say, why or why am I not changing what I'm doing about this, okay? So stand up for yourself. 
And now, like I said, what are the things that I'm doing? Well, to stay healthy, I'm making sure I'm optimizing my vitamin D status. D3 is what I take. I take that with some K2. But I take zinc. I take selenium. I take magnesium, right? I take all of these things. I, I don't necessarily take vitamin C, like I'll get that. But especially intravenous vitamin C, I've already spoken with my general practitioner about if I, if anything would ever happen. He said, yeah, like high dose vitamin C. I mean, we're going to go uh, 25 grams, 50 grams of this stuff at a time. And not just for me, I mean, for other people, right? So it's these other strategies that you can take to really, really, really change your uh, outlook on uh, something like this. But then the other thing, what did I do? Uh, I made sure that we had some food-grade hydrogen peroxide and a nebulizer for breathing, for breathing treatments to be able to do that. Now, don't just go out and do that. Like, look into what that all takes. I, I absolutely recommend that. And any of this, like, I'm saying this because I've done the research to see, well, those are my mitigation strategies as far as almost like dietary interventions, if you will. Ah, peptides. Peptides are another thing. Uh, I believe... Ah, is thymosin alpha or thymosin beta? I, I think both are good, but I, th I think one has been proven to be better. I want to say it's the thymosin alpha for this specific strain um, of virus. So, peptides like look into all the other things that you can do to see if you do either get it or what can you do to prevent things uh, from coming up beforehand. But that's also why I, I don't like why are we closing down gyms, right? People that are trying to go do their best to get healthy. Uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. But it doesn't mean you can't say, okay, go do these things outside, which I think is also going to have tremendous benefit, getting your feet in, in, the, in the dirt, getting your face in the sunshine, and so on and so forth. So yes, there's still lots of things you can do. But it's, again, stand up for something you believe in. Do I believe that this is the terrible atrocity that people are making out to be? Well, Yes, I do. I think there are some evil games being played behind it. And at the same time, I think it is terrible for the people that get it. I, I, I don't think it's, it's not something to be overlooked. So yes, you do need to learn to take care of yourself and you will be just, you will get a lot more out of that, I think, going forward in the long run too. Uh, so other things that I've realized, right, getting off my soapbox on that one is for myself, I mean, I don't move enough. And when I say that, it's I don't move enough on select days, right? There's specifically two days a week where I have a 10 and a 12 hour day, uh, 12 and a half hour day in the clinic where I'm seeing people all day long, right? Which to me is actually great because I get to help out more people that way. So I, I really do enjoy that. And it gets to one of my other things here in a second, but I don't move enough. Uh, like even as I'm recording this, I'm just walking around my office, just kind of pacing back and forth just to get some stag get the stagnation out. But I'm squatting down even right now. So I, that's a very low level of movement. But I think as in general, uh, I'm going to say this, like you don't move enough, right? And I'm going to say for myself, I don't move enough. Now, I do move plenty uh, on at least five days a week. But there's still another two days work where I don't think I'm doing it enough. And if I'm probably not doing it enough, and I have a job where I'm, yes, I'm at my computer doing documentation a fair amount, but I'm also going and I have my hands on people for 15, 20 minutes at a time where I'm moving around. I'm working on their neck, their back, their feet. They're everywhere in between, right? And I'm showing them exercises, uh, but I'm walking back and forth across the clinic floor and 
if that's not enough movement, and I really don't feel that it is, I have to make sure that I'm doing stuff throughout that day. And even I don't get to it. So I highly recommend, like, if you have any type of job that is not pure physical labor, you really evaluate how much it is that you're doing. Uh, because even when you're aware of it, it, first I should say you need to become aware of it because you can be missing out on a lot. And talking about like what you can do to mitigate your strategies of any type of illness, hey, here's another one that's pretty simple. So I, I, I highly recommend doing that. Next thing I put, this is a big thing. You can fit anything and everything into your life that you want. With the caveat that you must prioritize. So again, I didn't prioritize podcasting this year. And I've been missing it. Like every time I listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh man, I really want to record one. I really want to record one. And I did a couple this year, but not many. But I realized I have to start this again before the end of the year. The other thing that fell into that category was archery. I did not make the time for it. Now that I've made the time for it, it's a fantastic thing in my life. And I'm having so much fun just recording this right now and can't wait to do other solo sodes like this, but then also get back into interviews. And I have some ideas on that, but I'm going to definitely be looking for feedback from you guys. So again, if you prioritize, you can just absolutely find and make time for anything that it, you want to do or anything that you just love doing because the time is there. We all have the same amount of time. It purely comes down to what do we do with that time? So what what did I miss and or what did I love? Um, just lessons on that. So to me, like family still comes up most and that's what I set my priorities around. What is it that I get to do with my family and or what are the other things that really I don't necessarily do with my family, but I just love so much that I don't want to let that out of my life in any way, right? So lifting, I, I realized like, no, I, I could have recorded podcasts, but then I probably wouldn't have gotten a workout in. I, I prefer to do that. Like it's just more, it's it still holds a little bit higher uh, on that priority list. So you know what? I make the time for that. I just go and do it. I talk to Julie. She gets her workouts in, I get mine in, uh, and, and we just are able to do that. Same reason I make sure to do my Tai Chi every day. Like it's that important to me. So just movement in general, right? Now the outdoors is another one. And I think I say this to myself every year. I really appreciate what being outside means to me and it's a freaking cold morning and I'm going to still go get out there, right? Like it's maybe it's either in the teens or the twenties out there right now I'm looking out and it's still a little dark it's still pretty dark actually but I see a little bit of the moon still shining through but you know what I still get out there and just feel that I'll when the boys wake up I'll try and get them outside right away they usually won't but I'll bundle Penny up and we'll just go outside even just for a minute or two just to feel that because it really is an invigorating thing and I think an excellent part of health and I love just seeing the sunshine first thing in the morning so the outdoors. And I said before, archery. I've gotten back into it. Uh, a friend of mine just asked me a couple weeks ago. She said, yeah, you said like at the beginning of the year you want to get into it. Had you done it yet? And I went out that day just because, again, it was in my mind. And if I hadn't done it, I wasn't going to do it. And the at least Cooper kind of wants to get into some of it. Like he has a little bow that a friend gave us that his kids actually used to use. So, yeah, I it's it's fun. I might not do it. Is as much as I would want, right? 
However, I do it as much as I prioritize. And that's why I'm saying that because it is it is true. You, you'll fit into your life what you prioritize. And sharing health, right? I get to share health, I think, all day. But in what forms does that mean? So I share to my family what good health means to me by the actions that I take. And I share health to patients and clients by just helping coach them or by if I'm in the clinic or what manual therapy I'm sharing with them, what exercises I'm sharing with them. But then that is also turns into an education, not of just that, but then I can talk to them, share a lot of what I'm talking about here with you guys, right? So it's that sharing of health overall that is just so important to me and just the living it. So that that is it for my big lessons. I mean, I could probably go on and on with lessons that I learned, uh, especially from my kids. But I think some of the things that came out in here came out with that. And no, that's not true. I want to share one more that I didn't even write down, but it's continuing to cultivate patience, right? Patience with anybody. And I think uh, I, I know I find myself sometimes being short with my kids, but I've realized I try and do any and everything that I can to give them learning opportunities. And I will not, I, here's my biggest thing, I guess I learned with that for myself. I will not do anything for them that they can do for themselves. And I forget who taught me that or who said that to me, but I've really started to embody that. And I think it's shown I think it's paying dividends, right? It takes more time in the long run. However, you see how important it can be going forward. So yes, I, I don't do anything for them that they can do for themselves. I will help them. I will show them how to do it. But once they are able to do any or anything, uh, they're going to be doing it for themselves and I'll be there with them every step of the way. So hey, there you go, guys. Biggest lessons of 2020. I think what it comes down to for me is still appreciate 2020 no matter what it shared with you don't don't hate on it take again the lessons that we got from it and hey stand up for yourself so thank you guys again uh for for listening and i really appreciate you just taking your 30 minutes or so or however long i've been talking now uh to to listen and i hope that you get something out of it and i hope that it really means as much to you as it did to me because this is something, these are just lessons that I've learned and that I've come to appreciate. And I don't think we'll go away anytime soon. So thank you again and have a wonderful day.